Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined by J.J. Cooper. We have a 2019 World Series champion, the Washington Nationals, the never-say-die Washington Nationals. Really a perfect finish. Late in the game, come back, just a microcosm of their season, a microcosm of everything they've done all year. J.J., I found this World Series to be particularly thrilling. Obviously, there weren't any walk-offs or games where the final score was necessarily all that super close. But at the same time, I felt like almost every game was compelling. Almost every game, both teams were in it till about the seventh inning, and then some big plays happened. I found this to be an incredibly entertaining World Series and the Washington Nationals to be a very worthy champion. Yeah, I would say that that – if this had ended in five, it wouldn't have been a particularly compelling series, but the last two games were really good. And it's really hard to have a seven game series, especially against between a, a wildcard team and a, a potential dynasty that it, it was, yeah, it's one I think that we will remember for a very long time. Completely agree. Um, I thought last night's game seven, you know, game sevens again are, are, are generally going to be quite compelling, but I thought that last night's, lived up to that because you had a comeback you had an ace trying to gut it out with less than ideal stuff you had another one who was at the absolute top of his game you know in a way really we hadn't seen in the playoffs we had stars doing star things it was and we had the nationals winning their first uh their their dc's first title not the nationals but dc's first title really in Pretty much anyone who's watching this lifetime, again, you, you know, to, to be aware of that 1924 title, you would have had been born in, I would say, like 18. So you'd have to be 101, you know, or 100 not having turned 101 yet. So pretty much everyone seeing this, this was their first DC title. That's, that's pretty awesome as well. Definitely was. You talk about the stars showing out, and I think that's really, really a big story of this entire World Series and, and helped the Nationals get over the top. Juan Soto had a great World Series. Adam Eaton had a great World Series. Anthony Rendon, so many big hits. Then you talk about the pitcher, Steven Strasburg, our World Series MVP. And, you know, Max Scherzer very, very, very clearly was not Max Scherzer in peak form last night. But the guy gutting it out like he did, to still get out of there uh, with only uh, two runs allowed in five innings, I thought was incredible. Patrick Corbin was incredible with those key three innings to help bridge the gap. I mean, the big stars on the Nationals, for the most part, all showed up, all performed well throughout the series, and and that made a difference. Uh, The Astros did not get the best version of Justin Verlander. Uh, Garrett Cole, they got one good start, one less good start. Uh, you know, they hit okay on the whole. Jose Altuve hit well, Michael Brantley, Jordan Alvarez. You know, Alex Bregman did not have the greatest overall series, but he did have some big home runs. It just seemed like the Nationals, when they needed their big-time stars to step up, they kept stepping up, and that made a difference. Yeah, it really did. And, 
The other things, you know, that stands out to me is trying to kind of think of this in, in kind of bigger, broader picture. The Nationals are probably going to see two of their best players. We know that Anthony Rendon is a free agent, and I would be really surprised if Steven Strasburg didn't opt out and become a free agent. And what they didn't do, even after a terrible start to the season, is, is they didn't sell everyone off. And the reality of it is, is this is a team that also lost Bryce Harper, one of their stars of the past decade, they lost Bryce Harper last offseason in free agency and in essence didn't really get anything for him for losing him. You know, they, they signed Corbin, they lost Harper, so they didn't get an extra pick or anything like that. They just, they, they, he just left in free agency. And you know what? That was okay. <laughs> Winning a world series is, you know, it is much better taking that chance on going from the wild card to winning the World Series, taking that chance, I hope is something that teams will take from this because it is, you know, yes, you absolutely have to get through that wild card game and you could be done very quickly. That said, it's a chance to win a World Series when you have those chances, take them. And I think the teams out there who sat on their hands at the trade deadline because they said, well, you know, all we could do is get a wild card game. And do you really want to do all that for a wild card spot? Well, the, the National Sugar Lab, they did because it paid off in the ultimate payoff. I mean, that titles are really hard to get. And when you get a World Series title, it is it's something that that makes everything worthwhile. You know, you brought up you bring up the point about Bryce Harper, and it's been kind of almost entertaining and funny to me. On the one hand, you have some people saying oh, look, they're better off without Bryce Harper. And then on the other hand, you have people saying, like, don't be foolish. That's not why they want. And neither of those are correct. Look, would it be nice to have Bryce Harper? Sure. But the Nationals losing him and then smartly spending that money in other places to shore up other areas of the roster, that did help them. We saw last year the Nationals had the worst catching situation in baseball. It was abysmal. With some of the money saved, they're able to go out, they're able to sign Kurt Suzuki, they're able to trade for Jan Gomes. They filled that really with two guys who were really, really accomplished veterans. They go out, they not only sign Patrick Corbin, they also sign Anibal Sanchez to a two-year deal, really shoring up the number three and four spots in their rotation. They're able to make an addition like Azdrubal Cabrera. Uh, they picked him up mid-season in August, so it didn't cost them a lot of money. But just having the additional payroll space, taking the money they would have spent on Bryce Harper, and being able to spread it around and fill a lot of the other holes on their team absolutely did help them. And that's not, oh, they're Bryce Harper's the reason they weren't winning for the World Series. It's just, hey, you lost a guy. They were very, very, very smart in spreading the savings around and making themselves a more complete team. So for me, look, it worked out, but they made it work out. It didn't just randomly happen. Oh, they lost Bryce Harper, but they won anyway. They made moves to make that work to their benefit by spreading that money around. I'll go a step further. Bryce Harper did not fit their needs. Like if, if okay, let's That's fair. That Bryce Harper had decided to resign for 300 very deferred million dollars. Well, the Nationals would have immediately been in a problem because they have Soto. Juan Soto has to play. You, you just paid Bryce Harper 300 million or whatever. You're, well, Bryce Harper's going to play. You have Adam Eaton. And then you had Victor Robles, a, a rookie coming up. Well, 
you don't want uh, an outfield of Eaton. Like you probably in that case would have put Eaton back in center field, which is, is really beyond where you really want him at this point. You'd have had a much lesser defensive outfield. It wouldn't have made you, it would have made you better offensively, but I don't think, you know, so dramatically that it had been worth, they would have, they would have lacked starters starting pitching depth they needed. And Victor Robles was a perfect fit for them in center field because they gave him this extremely rangy center fielder to go with, you know, one of the best bats in baseball in Juan Soto in the outfield to go with Anthony Rendon at third base, also one of the best bats in baseball. And then Adam Eaton, who, who fits very well with what they needed. I, yeah. It, the other thing that stands out from what you just said right there, that uh, again, maybe we're as a industry baseball is prone to making kind of sweeping generalizations. So I'm going to make some sweeping generalizations you know, <laughs> because I, I, I think it actually, there are, there's value to it in some ways, which is, what we saw this postseason, go back 14, 15, 16, and there was a lot of talk, understandably at the time, you know, of the value of, of bullpens and how having a great bullpen is so valuable to winning the World Series. Well, and again, I think you can win a World Series that way, but the thing that stands out right now, I mean, okay, you, you look at that Nationals World Series winning team, that is one of the worst bullpens of a World Series champion in a long time. They had two relievers that they really felt confident using, but and they had to climb. They went seven games in the World Series. They had to climb out, and they had to tax their pitching staff about as hard as you can go in a postseason, coming through the wild card and all that. And with two reliable relievers, they made it work, partly because they used their starters very heavily as starters, and in Patrick Corbin's case, as a starter and a reliever. Well, you look at that Astros team. Again, they had a Will Harris. They had, you know, Osuna. They had, you know, Presley was really not his, his full self because of a knee injury. But that's a pretty thin bullpen that the Astros had, but they had an outstanding rotation. And if you look at it in recent years, it's really been more of, of, of the rotations that have kind of been the uh, – the most important thing more than the bullpen. And we'll see if that leads to kind of, uh, you know, more of a shift going forward as far as how teams build themselves. Because I, I do think if you look at this right now, as the off season starts, because today is the first day of the off season. If you're the Yankees, if you're, you know, uh, if you're the, you know, the Dodgers have a very good rotation, but if you're the Yankees, if you're the Braves, if you're the twins, if you're these teams who consider yourselves in it for 2020, one of the questions that there is going to be asked is, is, is our rotation good enough? And I think that's where a lot of teams are looking to say they probably need to make some improvement where, as we've talked many times on the podcast, you can kind of fix a bullpen on the fly. I mean, Daniel Hudson is the guy that got the last outs there, and Daniel Hudson was released in spring training. So it's a little easier to find that. There was no starting pitcher starting in this series who was released in spring training. I, I will say you can do it, but you have to have starting pitchers of the caliber of a Max Scherzer, a Steven Strasburg, or Patrick Corbin. The Red Sox doing it last year. It was Chris Sale. It was David Price. It was Rick Porcello. These were guys with Cy Young awards in their history or they're in contention. These were guys signed to a nine-figure contracts. You can do it. It's just very, very, very expensive to do it. And I think that's where teams are trying to figure out, okay, if we don't have that type of budget, how do we do this? But that actually leads me into my next point. I went back and looked at this because I was curious about, you know, we talk so much about teams like the Rays and the A's, you know, being able to do things, you know, really efficiently and 
cost per win and, and all the things that people like to talk about. 24 of the last 25 World Series champions were in the top half of Major League Baseball and opening day payroll. 24 of the last 25. The one exception is the 2003 Marlins. Even teams we think of as like, oh, they're smaller market. The 2015 Royals, they were 12th in opening day payroll. The Cardinals, the years they won it, 2011, they were 11th. 2006, they were 11th. So for me, you know, look, does spending a lot of money guarantee you win a World Series? Of course not. But there's still a baseline threshold you have to reach. The amount of talent it takes to win a World Series costs money. You yeah. kind of get what you pay for. And for me, when you look at a team like the Rays, they're 30th in payroll. You know, the Padres have made a lot of big additions. They were still bottom five in Major League Baseball and payroll this year. The A's, you have to be in the top half of payroll, at least on opening day in Major League Baseball, to win a World Series in this modern era. So for a lot of these teams you're talking about, for the Yankees and Dodgers, it's not a problem. But the Twins, the A's, the Braves, you've got to be in the top half. We keep seeing that. It just it costs a certain amount of money to acquire the level of talent you need to win a World Series. And the starting pitching is a big part of that, as we've talked about just recent, just now. I mean, again, the Astros took on Zach Greinke's rather massive contract. And, hey, that, that was a key part of them. I mean, Zach Greinke. And Justin Verlander's two years ago. Yep, yep. And, again, the other thing about it is, is being willing to take on those contracts means you can get those players in deals that are not even talent for talent deals. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Now, I, I will ask you with that. You just mentioned the Padres. Matt Eddy, I want to give him credit. Like, we were just talking this morning, and he goes, okay, Strasburg opts out. Has there ever been a more logical fit? Than, I don't know if they can afford him now that they've got, you know, Machado and uh, Hosmer under big deals. But is there a better fit than, than Steven Strasburg going back to San Diego, you know, to, to front that rotation on a team that, that really needs to start winning? I, I it does seem to make a whole lot of sense. It makes a whole lot of sense, as does Garrett Cole, Orange Lutheran grad, who was at the uh, 2002 World Series going back to the Angels. So, you know, we'll see. Free agency is going to kick off sooner uh, rather than later. It's amazing how quick the calendar turns over. But for now, I, I, with this Nationals team, you know, I put this out on social media last night. One thing that was really, really symbolic to me that I thought was just perfect was when Rob Manfred took the commissioner's trophy and handed it to Mike Rizzo. Rather than Mike Rizzo raising it all by himself, the first thing he did was he handed it to his manager, Dave Martinez, and they raised it together. To me, that was, A, just an awesome, incredible, sentimental moment. But B, I thought it was really symbolic, too, because I think a lot of times nowadays, especially, there's, you know, some people like to make fun of other fans for being fans of the general manager as opposed to the players on the field. But I think a lot of times now there's this perception in some organizations that the GM runs everything, the manager's just a figurehead, when a lot of times that's an unfair characterization, that's not accurate. No one has ever said that about the Nationals. This is an organization that's been seen as a little bit old school, very much about scouting, like the manager have a lot of discretion and, and really running the clubhouse and the bullpen for that matter. And Dave Martinez did some things that would anger people at times. I remember he walked a few guys intentionally in situations that were not ideal. He called for some bunts at some times that people got upset over. But as I've talked about, if you can run your clubhouse smoothly and keep a happy, healthy workplace environment in the clubhouse, and you can manage your bullpen effectively, which he did. He had six pitchers to work with this postseason, and he used them masterfully. That's going to overcome anything else. And I think, really, Mike Rizzo building this team, Dave Martinez doing everything right 
as a manager for them to raise the trophy together. I just thought it was very, very appropriate and a very telling and heartwarming moment. The, the other thing that stands out with that is, is that, again, another lesson I think that's useful from this is, is that I really do feel like that if you look back and you rewind to the first half of last season with the Nationals, the Nationals, David Martinez, he had his moments where you saw the inexperience of a of a of an inexperienced manager. Absolutely, bullpen management and, early last season was atrocious. But the thing about this is, is that that's a learning curve, and he. To his absolute credit, he learned. Now, again, there were still moments. Look, there were moments last night. You follow my Twitter feed. You know, I, I thought he stuck with Scherzer longer than I would have. That's fine. He's the manager. I'm not. I'm, I don't have an explanation for why when Max Scherzer went out there to start the fifth while there wasn't someone warming up in the pen, you know, who would have been ready to come in. Like, they, they, it worked. It, they survived. It all turned out. I still don't have an explanation of, of why having someone ready in the pen would have been a bad idea when you had a, a starter who had been dodging from, you know, from disaster, dodging disaster, inning after inning after inning. You, it's the game seven of the World Series. You, you have to be ready. And they didn't have someone ready even after another, you know, another home score. But all that said, it all worked out. And again, he, I think he does deserve a massive amount of credit. Also because, you know what? At the end of the day, managers, one of the most important things managers can do is clubhouse culture. It's team culture. And you saw that Nationals team culture. That was very good. Like that was a team who, as we have the opposite of some you know, Nationals teams we've seen in the past, that was a Nationals team that seemed to be really bonded that really responded to adversity well and that all seemed to be in there together with everyone and that's that's something a manager does as much as setting the lineup or deciding you know who which which guy to call from the bullpen and when to call again and i've talked about this ad nauseum in 2019 those are the two most important things a manager has to be able to do keep the clubhouse running smoothly and manage the bullpen effectively those are above anything else what has to be done. And Dave Martinez did a great job on both fronts throughout this postseason and the latter half of the season as well. JJ, when you think back to the 2019 season and, and the postseason and the World Series in particular, what are you going to remember most? What's going to stand out to you the most? Whew. That's a great question. I like, I mean, you know, I mean, the, 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 the easiest, simplest answer is, is, you know, that the Nationals finally winning one is, is something that that'll probably be my, my standout memory uh, of the postseason. But I think my, my, my theme of the postseason will be this, this was a, uh, uh, a postseason of stars. And really what it came down to at the end of the day is you had to have stars to win it this time um, or to be in it this time. I mean, when you have, I feel like that this World Series had four of probably the eight to ten best starting pitchers in baseball. Um, I feel like that this this World Series had, you know, probably three or four of the best fifteen position players in baseball. Um, you know, the thing that really stood out with both of these clubs, both of these clubs have benefited significantly from drafting high. Um, 
you know, you look at the vast number of high first top front half of the first round picks in this, you know, in this world series, when you're talking about, you know, we can talk about Strasburg and Scherzer and Verlander and Granke and Rendon, Springer, Springer, Springer Bregman, Correa, you know, um, even like Juan Soto. Okay, Juan Soto was, we ranked Juan Soto as I believe it was the 12th best uh, international prospect in the uh, 2015 draft. Well, that's a first, you know, again, that's not a draft, but that was, he was one of the top players in a, a very, very loaded international class. Um, you know, they're just, were not, the, the players who were the stars, and with Jose Altuve would be, I would say, an exception to this, but the players who were the stars in the World Series were largely players who were, you know, who have been expected to be stars. Now, I also, by the way, I, I you know, we talked about it on Twitter last night, but I think it's a, uh, what a moment for, uh, for Tom Kochman, the longtime scout slash manager, but in this case as a scout. You know, Patrick Corbin and Howie Kendrick are a pair of, uh, Tom Kochman's one of the masters of the, of scouting the junior colleges. And that's a pair of Florida JUCOs who were big on the biggest stage. And that's, I, I just wanted to mention that because that's the easy counter to what I was just saying. Those weren't top of the first round picks. In Howie Kendrick's case, that was a 10th rounder who, you know, basically uh, Kochman was able to convince the Angels to, to, to go ahead and sign back when there still were draft and follows, I believe. So, um, you know, there's a lot. There's, there really is a, a lot to, uh, to chew on from this. But wait, I'll ask you the same question then. So what is it that will stand out to you? I mean, just the Nationals' resolve, especially being there covering this team during the National League Division Series in L.A. It was, it was really incredible to watch and see. Uh, the camaraderie was really amazing as well. And One of the things you just talked about that I've been thinking a lot about, too, that I do take away from this is you're right. You have to have stars. But you also have to have depth. Stars and scrubs doesn't work. We talk about the stars – the seven, eight, nine hitters for the Nationals were Ryan Zimmerman, Jan Gomes, and Victor Robles. That's two former All-Stars and a guy who was a top 15 prospect in baseball coming into the year. Josh Reddick was the nine hitter on the Astros. You had mm-hmm. all these stars at the top, but it's not like you had four or five good players at the top of your lineup and they were filling in the gaps, six, seven, eight, nine. There were stars all the way down. I mean, Josh Reddick, heck, you put him on some of the second division teams, he might be their cleanup hitter. Carlos Correa was batting seventh. So I think for me, you know, it just kind of reinforces you have to have star power. You have to have those leaders. But you're only as good as your weakest link as well. I mean, if your seven, eight, nine hitters are 45-grade players or fringe major leaguers, they're probably not winning the World Series. I mean, these were teams that had literal all-stars batting the bottom third of their lineup. And again, it, for me, it goes back to it's so hard to win a World Series. And, it, and it, again, it does cost money because you have to have a complete lineup one to nine. You can't get away with having four or five really good players and three or four scrubs at the bottom. You have to have a really good rotation that is sharp at the top, but also you have to have a good number three and four starter as well for the most part. I just think it goes back to you have to build a complete team, and the Nationals did that. The Astros did a very good job of it as well, and that's why these two teams were in the World Series. The other thing I'll say with that is, is that when you look at the Nationals, again, and this sometimes happens, and sometimes doesn't, but one of the things that we often see, I mean, this was obviously a series where the, the, the road team won every game. Often when a national team goes to the AL Park, they don't really have, they, they are at a significant disadvantage when it comes to the DH. That wasn't the case here because really what that allowed them to do is, is, is kind of put Howie Kendrick in his best role now. And, 
I, if they didn't have, you know, when you talk about depth, if they didn't have a Howie Kendrick, if they didn't have a player who really, you know, if, if he's not there, if they, if they were kind of having to just kind of put a, a scrub at DH, it would have been, it would have been a different night last night. And, and that's one of the things of having depth. That's one of the things that allows you to do. Absolutely. And it was a great world series and uh, one we'll remember for a while. JJ, it was fun podcasting with you all this month and uh, we'll continue having off season podcasts here at baseball America, uh, but this will do it for our 2019 postseason podcasts for JJ Cooper. I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.